Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Isaiah 61, this is one of, of, I would say, one of the strongest passages in the whole Bible. Man, Jesus actually quotes from Isaiah 61, if you look at it in Luke 4, and Jesus uses this passage and this text as his introduction to his ministry. He kicks off his ministry with this passage. How many of you think it's pretty loaded for bear? Isaiah 61, we're going to read the first three verses, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Verse 2, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified." Man, talk about a loaded text. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Aren't you thankful that the Spirit of the Lord God was upon Jesus? And the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you this morning. Amen. The title of my message, if you're taking notes and you're interested in titles, the title of my message today is called God's Prescription for Your Pain. God's prescription for your pain. Or if you don't want to write all that out, you can just write this. This for that. This for that. It'll make sense in just a moment. When you're in pain, most of the time you go see the doctor and he gives you a prescription for your pain. Something that will hopefully deal with the issue that you're having and and seek to resolve it. You ever done that? Go to the doctor and they give you something and it fixes it. It's a good day. Right? In this passage, I believe we're uncovering God's prescription for the things that bring about pain in the lives of people. And this is not just bound only to the body of Christ, of course. This is available to anyone and everyone who would choose to take God at his word and simply believe him. Amen? God's desire is that you and I not be weighed down, burdened down, and loaded down with the anxieties and pains and frustrations of this life. I know that it's sometimes unpopular with people because we just, we just uh, don't like too much of a good thing, it seems. But, but sometimes it's unpopular for people to, say, for, for people to listen uh, when you say that God wants to bless you and God wants to pour out his best upon you and God's got great things in store for you. You, you say that thing and, and sometimes people kind of fight with you about it. I've, I've experienced it so many times as a preacher, more times than I can count. 
you, you preach something like this, you read this, and you go, man, God wants to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God wants, God's got his best in store for you. And for some reason, it just rubs people the wrong way, and they just, well, you're just, you know, you're just one of those blessing guys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Christian, and I read the Bible, and God actually likes me. Amen. <laughs> More than that, he loves me, and he loves you too. And he's got good things in store for you. And so to anyone who's willing to simply put him at his word and invest trust in him, he's actually interested in healing what hurts you. He's interested in healing what pains you rather than leaving you loaded down and buried down with the pains of this world. In fact, there's a scripture in the book of Psalms and I can't think of where it is right now, but it said he daily loads me with benefits. So many people are walking around loaded down with care and God's interested in loading you down with benefits. Ay, ay, ay. So we're gonna get through these three verses and when we get to verse three, we're gonna see the word for used. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You see, it's a, it's a prescription. God's provided a plan. He's laid out for us an exact description and prescription of what we need to experience joy and victory and transformation in our lives. How I many of you are interested in receiving God's best for your life, aren't you? I know I am, amen. Now, let me give a little preface, a little preface, preface, preface. And a word on context for just a second before we take these verses apart. First of all, this message, uh, this passage rather, is messianic. What does that mean? It means that it speaks of the coming Messiah. It's, it's, this verse is talking about Jesus. Which is exactly why when Jesus was going to start his earthly ministry, he pulled from this verse. He quoted this verse. And they hated him for it. They tried to stone him and throw him off a cliff. Seriously. Can you imagine trying to throw Jesus off a cliff? Can you imagine wonderful, lovely, wonderful, perfect Jesus? And the crowd got so angry at him when he said, the spirit of the Lord's on me. Isn't that interesting? So this is messianic, but it's also laden with promises and principles that apply to you and to me. So I, I, the reason I say that is to make the distinction. This was written about Jesus, but it's applicable to you. Okay? That's how the Bible works. There, there are multiple methods with which you can teach or communicate the scripture to people. Two of the most prominent, and this is from my Bible nerds, okay? And any keyboard warrior that's watching me online right now. Two of the most promise, prominent uh, ways or methods of, of communicating scripture are number one, expository. Number two, topical. Expository is when you focus on context and, and, and word for word exegesis and explanation of scripture. I love to do this kind of preaching because I love to dig into Greek words and Hebrew words. And if you've heard me preach any, for any length of time, you know that's true. I love to dig in. So expository is asking the question, what was the specific author saying? To whom was the text written? What's the context of it? Because expository preaching is aimed at being as accurate as it can be. The second is topical. This is focusing on application of the topic. So expository preacher says, what is the specific author saying? What's the context? Topical preaching says, how does this verse or passage relate to me and to my life and to my situation? How can I apply what I'm reading to my life right now? 
And a lot of times we do the, the injustice of pitting those two things against each other. I talk to preachers all the time because I'm a preacher, so I talk to other people like myself. And, and there's always some argument going on amongst somebody about whether we should be preaching expositorially or topically. And I say, why not both? I like the both and approach rather than the either or approach. I want to know exactly what's being said and how I can apply it to my life. Amen. I want to understand the scripture by digging into it and yet leave room at the same time for the Holy Spirit to apply it to my life. For this verse, from an expository perspective, as I've already said, it's a messianic prophecy. It's, coming, it's talking about the coming of Christ into this world. But it's also from a topical application perspective, it's letting you and I know that the same spirit that was on Jesus, anointing him to do all these things, is also upon you and I, anointing us to do the same things. We get to reap from the benefit of the promises of these verses, but we also get to become those who perpetuate those same promises. In other words, according to this verse, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to proclaim liberty to the captives. We sang about it this morning. Freedom, freedom, freedom. So you get to be a beneficiary of the freedom that God has freely given. Guess what else? You also get to apply that to your life and become someone who helps someone else find freedom. Amen. The same spirit that liberated you wants to empower you to liberate somebody else. But you know we can't give what we don't have. Amen. So we got, listen, we got to learn to receive from God. I think I'm going to preach about that soon. Learning how to receive from God. When's the last time you received something from the Lord? How hard is it to receive something? Not hard at all. Mark, will you please receive this towel from me? Boy, that was so difficult. Wasn't that difficult? Boy, it took so much faith for you to receive the towel from me. Well, listen, we got to learn to receive things from God. Why? Because we can't give what we don't have. I need, to, I need to recognize that this scripture was written about Jesus and it was written to be applied to my life so that once it's applied to my life and I've received it from God, I can now begin to help someone else around me to receive it from him as well. Amen. So let's dive in to these verses and, and, and let's, let's see the, per, the prescription, okay? Let's start in verse one. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord's anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This is, in a nutshell, the gospel of the Lord. This is the gospel, this, this is God's will for humanity. This is, this is God's desire for humanity. The good news of healing and freedom. Of blessing instead of poverty. Got one amen on that one. Blessing instead of poverty. Amen. Healing the brokenhearted. Literally, you know what the word healing there means? To bind up and stop the bleeding. God doesn't leave you on the side of the road to bleed out. He wants to bind up the wounds. You, you remember the Good Samaritan? 
What did he do? He's, he, put, he put oil on the wound. He put bandages on the wound. He stopped the bleeding. That's God's desire. This, this, these are the benefits of the gospel in one little nutshell verse. This is God's desire for people is that they be, is that they be blessed instead of being racked with poverty is that they be healed and stop the bleeding to those whose hearts have been broken. It's It's that you and I would receive and experience freedom from the curse of sin, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to be bound by sin. Hey, really, Pastor Josh? Didn't weren't you born in church? Yeah, I was I was raised in church. But I still know what it's like to be bound by sin and to carry the weight of, of my own failures in the sight of God and to carry that, that heaviness around. I'm here to tell you there's freedom from that and the desire of God is that you be free. That, 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 that you walk out of the prison that sin has captivated you in. He goes on to say in verse 2 that, that the, the, the purpose of the gospel and the purpose of Jesus was to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. The word acceptable here in the Hebrew is a word which means favor, acceptance, pleasure, and delight. Favor, acceptance, pleasure, and delight. We all know what vengeance means, right? I think it's very interesting that this scripture says it's God's desire to proclaim his favor, the year of his favor, of his acceptance, of his pleasure, and of his delight. And it leaves only a moment for his vengeance. His favor lasts a year his vengeance is a day. Isn't that cool? I read that and I thought, wow. He doesn't say the year of vengeance and the day of favor. Although that's how some people think. That's how, that's how a lot of people think, man. They just think God's out to get them, right? So it's, a, you know, I'm just, how you doing, brother? I'm just living in the year of the vengeance of our God. <laughs> Don't worry. January 1st, I'll get to experience the day of his favor, and then it's back under his vengeance. No. This, this is a verse that, de- that describes the mercy of our God. Listen, does God have vengeance? He absolutely does. I mean, God, God issues judgment against sin. The problem is that when people get in the way, when I allow sin in my life, I'm, I'm opening my life up to something that God has to now judge. But that's not his desire. His real desire is for mercy. He really wants to express his favor towards me. Now we cross over into verse 3 and we get to really the meat of what we want to talk about here. We see the purpose of God here is to comfort those who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion. Now he's setting, why does he start this verse with that? Before he gets to the prescription, the beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Before he gets to that, he starts by saying that the desire is to comfort those who mourn. Just like a doctor, he's setting up the diagnosis at the beginning. Before he gets to the prescription, he defines the the diagnosis. Comfort for those who 
mourn. The word mourn simply in the Hebrew means mourning because of death or some other type of calamity. Mourning because of profound loss. Another way that you could say this would be to use the word that is a buzzword right now in our culture, and that's the word trauma. How many of you have heard the word trauma thrown around recently? Yes? How many of you, let's ask it to be real honest, how many of you have heard the word trauma used when it wasn't traumatic? Anybody? Like, I'm so sorry that the library made you pay the fee for your overdue books. And then you hit every single traffic light on the way to Chick-fil-A and the line was around the building. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You've had a challenging hour and a half. It's not trauma. (laughs) Am I pricking a nerve this morning? You guys aren't super excited about that, but that's okay. No, there's real trauma in life. There's real things. Loss of a family member. Divorce, loss of a job, something that that significantly alters the course of your life to where you have to step back and say, man, I am shell-shocked and I need some healing from this. We know the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there's a time to mourn. There's a moment where you you, you you just kind of sit with what happened and you go, oh my gosh, this hurts. I don't like it. But the problem happens when when we want to stay in that place for too long because it's comfortable. Come on, y'all. I don't know about you, but I've had trauma experiences in my life. I've had moments of mourning. I, I, remember, I remember, you know, not too long ago, I went through a really significant situation in my life. And I remember I was, I was really shell-shocked by it, and it was tough. And I, I was like, man, this is, a, this is difficult. And I was talking to my pastor about it, and, and he said, you know, it's going to be okay. He began to minister to me and pastor me through this challenging time. And then some time went by and some months passed and there came a moment when he said to me, you know what? It's trauma time is over. Morning time is over. It's time to receive now what God wants for you. And he encouraged me, get up, dust yourself off. You see, the, 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 the first thing he says is to give him beauty for ashes. Why is that? Because when, when, there, when, when there was mourning going on, or when, when there was some significant trauma that happened in the life of, a, of an Israelite when this was written, here's the expository side of the preaching, by the way, here it comes. What would happen is those folks would cover themselves in what was called sackcloth and ashes, like a burlap sack. They would take off their nice clothes, and they would put burlap on instead. Because, you know, burlap's real comfortable. Right? Man, you want to talk about that? Imagine if you had to wear burlap pants around, you know, for a month. Talk about the itch. Anyways, it, it would hurt. So they would sit in burlap and then they would cover themselves with ashes from a fire. And the purpose was to let everybody know, I'm mourning. Leave me alone. Let me, I got to sit with this for a while. And that was, that was how people would behave. The problem, again, happens when folks want to sit there for too long. 
when the season of mourning has passed and now it's time to have some beauty in exchange for the mourning. The embrace of heaven is upon those who mourn. Here's the beautiful news. No matter what the traumatic situation is in your life, God's desire is to meet you right in the center of it and bring his comfort to you so that even while you're mourning, he's still there comforting you. He's still there wrapping his arms around you. The embrace of heaven is still there for those who mourn. God has not forgotten you. As you come out of that season of mourning, God now has a prescription, a treatment, a remedy so that the pain of mourning does not become a permanent limp in your life. Amen. He goes on to say, to console those who mourn in Zion. We don't want to live in the wake of our trauma when there's a plan for victory in this verse. Here's where we begin to encounter the prescription. This is where we see this for that. He says, to give them beauty for ashes. Now, before we even get to the beauty for ashes part, notice how this sentence starts, to give them beauty for ashes, not to make them work for beauty. Right? Are y'all with me this morning? I know I'm throwing a lot at you this morning. Y'all hang with me. We're almost there. To give them beauty for ashes. It's not, it's not a transaction. It's not something you earn. It's not something you work for. God's grace is so spectacular that he's willing to give you everything you need to make you whole again. And man, you may have come from some terrible situations. You may have come from a really rocky past. Maybe you came from a really, maybe you came from a broken home. Maybe you came from, a, from an abusive relationship. Maybe you've just lost something of great significance in your life and, and you feel shell-shocked by the trauma. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to have to earn your way out of it. Glory to God, man. That's good news. That ought to get you excited a little bit. If that doesn't light your fire, your wood is wet. Amen. No, that, get, that ought to get us excited. Why? Because I don't have to work for what God is desiring to freely give me. What is it that he's desiring to freely give you? Beauty for ashes. Now, the word ashes here in the, in the Hebrew would denote worthlessness. There's a reason they, that they put ashes on themselves when they were grieving, and it's because ashes aren't worth anything. You've already burned the wood, and this is what's left over, Right? So, so they would heap ashes upon themselves to display worthlessness. And God comes along and is going to leave you in a worthless condition, but rather I want to give you beauty in exchange. Beauty for ashes. My prescription for worthlessness is beauty. This word in the Hebrew can be translated, the word beauty can be translated as a fancy headdress, a turban, an ornament. It's also translated as a bonnet or something similar to a crown. I put it this way in my notes. It's like the star on top of the Christmas tree. Y'all put a star on top of your Christmas tree at home? Amen. Me too. 
It's the best part. You save that for the end. You put the star on top because it caps the whole thing off. It, it, it really ties the room together. When God encounters the brokenness of humanity, his answer for the worthlessness that sin has ravaged in people's lives, his answer for that is beauty. He wants to decorate you. You are not worthless to God. If ashes represent worthlessness, you need to understand you are not worthless to God. In fact, not only does God not think you're worthless, he thinks you're worth decorating. Amen. He thinks you're worth decorating. He thinks you're worth putting a star on top. Let's let the world see it. Y'all remember Charlie Brown? Y'all remember when him and Linus went off to in search of the Christmas tree? And they're over there knocking on all the aluminum trees? They're like, this ain't it, this ain't it. And then they get down to the end of the line. Little limp, saggy, little disgrace of a tree. That worthless, you know, pine cone bearing little branch. And, and what happened? I got a laugh out of Noah on that one. That's right. It's awesome. I let, Hey, I like seeing our young people right up here. You guys are awesome. Listen, Charlie, the same way that Charlie Brown saw the value in what other people deemed worthless is the same way that God sees the value in your life and he's not willing to leave you in sackcloth and ashes. He says, I've got, to, I've got beauty in exchange. My prescription for worthlessness is decoration. And you know what happened in Charlie Brown. They bought that little tree and they brought it all together and they took all the ornaments off of Snoopy's house and they came and put it on that tree and then they sang and their, their heads went back and you just saw their open mouths and they started singing Christmas carols. Come on, that's the same thing God wants to do to you. He wants to take the worthless parts of your life and beautify them by his grace so that you become a testimony to everyone around you. Hallelujah. Not only does God believe you're worth something, he believes you're worth decorating. Amen. He goes on to say the oil of joy for mourning. The oil of joy is, is the anointing of joy. In the Old Testament, the, the, the word oil, the concept of oil, is representative of what we call the anointing, which is the supernatural empowering presence of God that, that, that marks you and changes you, that sets you apart. When God anoints someone, he puts his power on them to accomplish something. David was anointed to be king. David was anointed to kill Goliath. David was anointed to do this and that and the other. Every time one of the prophets in the Old Testament would encounter someone that, that was to be king, they would anoint them with oil. They would take a ram's horn that was filled with oil, kind of like this bottle filled with water, and they would go dump it on, on the person who was to be anointed. They would pour all this oil all over them. That's how God used to, used to set apart the people that he desired to use. And this scripture tells us here that when we are in mourning, when we are in the midst of our trauma, God comes at that moment and anoints us. 
douses us, covers us with joy. I mean, can you imagine? Come here, come here, Noah. Let's just give him a good visual. I'm going to pretend to be the prophet Samuel. Noah's going to pretend to be David. He's just come in from, you know, tending to the sheep. He smells a little bit like sheep, so I'm going to stand over here. Just kidding. I'm just kidding, bud. You're good. You're good. No, this is what it must have been like because David, David was a small guy. He was the smallest of all of his brothers, you remember? And Samuel, the prophet, shows up at his house, and he's like, man, I, which one is, is the king? And he's like, how about this oldest guy? And God says, no, he's not the one I've anointed. And he goes down the whole list till he finally gets to David. David comes in from the sheep, and, and the Spirit of the Lord says, this is the one that I want to be anointed. And so Samuel takes his jar of oil. I'm not going to pour anything on you. It's just going to be a visual. Uh, he, he takes his horn of oil and he just right on top of David. And what would have happened? What if this was filled with oil and I was pouring it on Noah right now? What would happen? It would cover him. It would just get in his hair and in his ears and it would just go down and it would get all over his clothes and Kelsey would have a hard time washing his shirt that night and, and it would just, it would just, man, it would just be so difficult because the anointing oil would get everywhere. And that is how God signified that his hand was on someone in the Old Testament was to anoint them with oil. Thanks, bud. Yeah, that, I don't know if that bow came from his mom or from his dad. It probably came from both. Why, why does God, when he wants to anoint something, why does he use oil? What is this idea of oil? Number one, I think it's because it's hard to get off. You ever, you ever got like a lot of oil on your hands and then you got to go wash them? It takes like 10 minutes. So you just, okay, lather up again, you know? Man, when you live a life in the anointing, it stays with you. It becomes a part of who you are. It's oil is, is, is thick and it's viscous and it fills up all the cracks and the crevices. If I was to dump a bucket of oil on Noah, you better believe it's going to get some of it in his ears and behind his ears. It's going to get down in his fingers and it's just going to get everywhere. It's going to fill up all the little cracks and crevices of his body. You see, oil gets into the cracked places of our lives. Are you following where I'm going with this? Oil gets into the anointing, goes to work in the cracked parts of our lives, the, the places where because of, of, uh, of whatever, our, our, our lives display some delinquency. Maybe, maybe I have a bad attitude. Maybe I really love Jesus, but I got a bad attitude. The anointing will come and it'll fill up that crack and it'll begin to make up the difference for my bad attitude and it'll begin to teach me how to, how to heal in that area. The anointing goes, it goes everywhere. And you see, when God's anointed those who mourn with joy, the anointing adds back value where in the places where we lack value. The anointing of Jesus makes a weak place in our life strong by filling that area up. Wow. Yay. 
You know that if you'll spend time in the presence of the Lord, he'll begin to anoint you and the areas that used to be weakness will start to become strong because those areas will be filled up. Those cracks in your life will get filled up by the oil of his anointing. We're in mourning. We're in trauma. We're in experiences that have stripped us of life. That oil comes and it fills in all of those weak places, the areas where we feel the most injured, begins to restore. God's prescription for mourning is oil called joy. (laughs) And the places that used to be weak become strong. Joy of the Lord is our strength. The anointing oil also represents abundance. I don't know if you've ever thought about this because uh, we don't necessarily see it the way that they used to see it. We're a little bit removed from this, but the reality is that, especially in ancient cultures, they never wasted the fat. They never wasted the fat. Oil was precious. It was a commodity. And it's always been precious. Oil's always reserved for special things. I can remember... When I was a kid, eating steak with my grandmother, who was from Italy. And she had lived through Italy during World War II. And she knew what, what a hard day was. We don't know sometimes. We're kind of removed from the challenges of life in many ways. But I remember sitting down with my Nona, and she was eating steak. And she was eating all the fat and everything. And I was cutting it off. I was like 10 years old. I'm like, that's gross. I can eat that big glob of fat. I know better now, praise God. That's where, the, that's where all the flavor is. <laughs> but, but, but she would never do that. And I just remember looking at her, sitting across the table. I don't know why this sticks out of my mind. I just remember looking at her thinking, what are you doing? Eating the fat. And then I realized, you know what? In, in ancient cultures, they never wasted the fat. They never wasted the oil. Why? Oil was precious. Do you understand that when God anoints you, the anointing that he's putting in your life of joy is something he finds precious? He values it, so should we. Finally, he gives the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Are you still with me? You got another two, three minutes? Here we go. He gives the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The, the, the word for garment here again in, in the Hebrew literally means a robe or a wrap. The first time I read that, I thought about like a tortilla when I read the word wrap. <laughs> what has modern culture done to us? I don't even know. Who am I? Okay. The garment of praise is literally a robe. It's literally something that can be placed on someone else. And the word praise here is is a song, a loud, noisy, boisterous song of praise. So, So when you and I get to the point in life where we feel heavy with the burden of life, the answer is to lift up a loud praise before the Lord. I can remember one preacher that I used to hear often when I was a young man, and he would talk about how he grew up on a farm, and he said, sometimes when life gets tough, I got to go outside behind the barn and dance a jig. 
You see, sometimes you got to go into the place where you don't have to worry about looking silly. Come on. Sometimes you got to go into that place. Maybe it's your bedroom. Maybe it's, maybe it's like me in the car when I'm by myself and it's dark out so nobody can see what I'm doing. And, I, and I've got to drive home the long way and take the scenic route to my house because I need a few extra minutes to just praise my God because life starts to feel a little bit heavy and I don't want to live under the heaviness so I'm going to get aside, I'm going to, I'm going to step aside, I'm going to go outside of my way to take a moment to lift up a shout of praise before the Lord God. Did I scare you? I hope so. What is this for? What is this garment, this, this thing, uh, this garment of praise that I put on myself? What is it? It's a shout. It's a boisterous cry unto the Lord. And what is it for? A spirit of heaviness. I wrote it this way in my notes. A spirit which has become heavy. Word heaviness in the Hebrew. Watch with this. This is amazing to me. The word heaviness in Hebrew means colorless. All of the vitality has been drained from your life. You just become pale and weak. You feel heavy. What is the answer? What is God's prescription for your heaviness? That you begin to praise God that you begin to lift up your voice. Say to the Lord, I will praise you. Despite what I'm feeling, despite how my situation is, I will lift up and magnify the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What is going to bring you back to life, my friend, is praise. It's not worship. Selah. I'm just going to leave you there with that for just a second. I've had long conversations about this with, with, with family members and people I trust and people that I love. It, listen, worship is beautiful and it's magnificent and it's wonderful. But worship is intimacy in relationship. The purpose of worship is different from the purpose of praise. What, what, it's one thing for me to talk to you about how great my wife is. That's praise. Versus me pulling her close when you're not looking and giving her a kiss. That's worship. It's intimacy. Worship is intimacy and relationship. And that's the reason why, why Isaiah writes this the way that he does. It's the garment of praise, not the garment of worship. When your life gets heavy, it's not time. I mean, there's nothing wrong. Please don't, please don't hear me wrong. There's nothing wrong with worship. There's never, you're never going to have a time in your life where you shouldn't worship. Okay? But don't exchange worship and only worship and never praise. Because that's what a lot of people do. We love a slow song. You know, what a beautiful name it is. And that just moves me so much. So I just start to worship the Lord when the reality is I, I, I'm struggling with something. I'm weighed down by heaviness. And I don't need to go and, and be still before the Lord in worship. I need to stand up and get boisterous and say, I praise the Lord be, not because I feel good, but because I don't. Yeah. 
Lord, I'll praise you. I trust you. I love you. I'm committed to you. You are awesome, Lord. You are amazing. Your power knows no boundaries. You are the God of heaven and earth. You're the maker of the universe. You're the one in whom I trust. You can look through the Psalms and watch how David begins to just praise the Lord, his God. He pours out all of the qualities of God and he, and he praises the Lord. That will lift heaviness off your life. And the reason I make the distinction is because I fear, I really do fear that sometimes we want to worship our way out of heaviness. You know, there, there, man, you just learn things the more you walk with the Lord. You know that? There's sometimes you need to worship and not pray. You just need to go worship. There's sometimes you need to pray and not worship. You just need to pray. And then there's sometimes you need to praise and not pray and not worship. You just need to give God praise. And I want to encourage you in your life that, that whenever you feel the heaviness of life and the heaviness of this world, that you bring it back to just simply praising God on the grounds of who he is. And if you need help, go to Psalms. It's real easy. If you just pick a psalm, just pick any psalm. I'll, I'll pick my favorite one for you. Psalm 34. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all of my fears. They look to him and they're radiant. Their faces will not be ashamed. The poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and he delivers them. See, you can just start to praise your way out of all kinds of heaviness. I want to encourage you, if you're going through it this morning, if you're going through it, if you're watching us online this morning, you're going through it. If you're in a season of mourning, if you're in a season of pain, these prescriptions they're designed to bring healing and restoration and help. And do you know what else they do? They help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, even when things get tough. Let me read to you verse 10 from Isaiah 61. This is what happens. This is the result of the prescription at work in your life. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Do you see that? My soul shall be joyful in my God. I shall greatly rejoice in the Lord. He's covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself out with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. The result of, of yielding yourself to him and allowing him to minister to you is that you come out greatly rejoicing. I'm here to tell you, you can go through anything as long as you don't do it alone. Go through it with God. You can face any challenge. 
you can face any problem, anything that the enemy wants to throw at you, you can face it. Why? Because you always know, I got a garment of praise, spirit of heaven, and I got the oil of joy for mourning. I've got beauty for ashes. I can, man, I can go, listen, I can bring it on, devil. Bring it on. It doesn't matter what you got. doesn't matter what your weapons are against my life. You can bring it on. Why? I got beauty for ashes, man. I got the oil of joy. I got the anointing in my life. Amen. Has this helped anybody in here this morning? Amen. Could you stand up to your feet today? Praise God. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.